0: Wow, it's so nice to have music like that. Um, that last line, I would do whatever it takes to make you feel my love. Anyone have those moments where you realize my behavior didn't really fall in line with that? The other day, we got invited to a wedding, so me and my wife, she's, like, it's all dressed up. She's looking like a million dollars. I pull on my suit. It's like 10 pounds too small for me. So now I'm angry, I can't move my arms, my tie is tight, it's not as comfortable as my jeans, we're in the fricking car, my boots you know, are getting scuffed, I'm just mad. She's like, we need to get a picture, and I'm like, screw that, we're not getting any pictures. <laughs> it took me 10 minutes of driving till I was like, okay, babe, sorry about that, a little cranky right now. But have you noticed how your behaviors impact the world? We have this value that says we're action-oriented. What, really what we're saying is, our behaviors matter. In some traditions, it's all about what you believe. It's what's in your head, and that's cool, but that's not the direction we're going. We're exploring what does it look like to examine my behaviors and your behaviors through a spiritual lens. And so when I'm a jerk to my wife, I create hell on earth. When I do something beautiful, I can create heaven on earth. If we looked at the spiritual model, we've been talking about, you know, I and them. All the interaction between us comes through our behaviors. It's so nice you can think to yourself, you know, I love my partner. If only they could feel my love. Thinking it's enough, right? It's our behaviors. And so here's the question I've been asking for years. And finally I was like, okay, we got to look into this. How do we change our behaviors? Because I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to create hell. I don't think you do either, do you? And yet you have a moment where you haven't had enough sleep or you're a little hangry or something happened at work or the kids are driving you nuts and suddenly... You're that person, and you're behaving in a way you're going, I don't even want to do that. I don't want to yell at my wife. Actually, I do want to yell at all my pictures. I hate getting my picture taken, which is funny because I'm on video right now. How do you change? So if you're like me, and you've looked through your life, and you said, you know, there's some behaviors. They're not serving me well. They're definitely not serving the people around me. And if I want to make the world a better place, if I want to kind of tie into this idea of spirituality is making the world a better place, I need to make some changes. I can't lose my crap every time someone says, let's take a picture. I can't get angry every time someone cuts in front of me a little closer than I like. All the things that bother me, i got to start changing my behavior. So if you're like me and you're going, yes, there's stuff that I need to change. There's things that I could do differently that would make this world a better place. But I can't seem to get it. There's a spiritual tradition that goes back thousands of years. And there's a scientific tradition that's starting to show how all this stuff fits together. We can actually behave in a way that makes the world a better place. We've got to figure out how to make a change and so this series is all about how do you change not because there's something wrong with us not because we're bad people that's shame business this is healthy people saying wait a second yeah that that reaction not helpful that behavior over there not cutting it so if you're perfect if you behave perfectly every time you do not have to come to this next series You totally get a week off or whatever. But if you're like me, starting in two weeks. So this week, Jeff's going to talk about the two parts of our spiritual journey, and then it's going to bring us all the way into how do we make a change. I want to invite you to come out. Emily, take it away.
1: Thanks, Vince. Um, Pardon me. If I'm not here for some of that service it's certainly not because I'm not perfect it's just that I'm checking in online so um, good morning to everybody that's in the room and to everybody that's joining us online and um, we're happy to have you all here uh, I've been thinking a lot this last week about investment and I think it's probably because of the looming RSP contribution deadline coming up but it kind of you know took a trajectory off that for me I was instead of just thinking about um, taxes and investment I started thinking about how i I invest uh, my time and my energy and my finances into the things that I care about. And so I I always land here at Friends Church when I kind of go on that kind of a, a thought journey, um, that there are so many things about this community that I appreciate and that I imagine that um, many of you appreciate as well. Um, just uh, the topics that we talk about, the actions that we take, the way that this community is focused on making me better and making you better so that we can go out and make the world better. And so it's important to me to invest into things that I care about. And I want to ask you to join me in doing that as well. Um, we would love an investment of your time. If there's something that you're interested in, in doing or being involved in, you could certainly reach out to, I'm just going to say Vince or Jeff. I'm sure either one of them would be willing to have that conversation with you. And we'd also really encourage you to take a look and see if you are in a place where you can make a financial investment in us as well. We need um, the generosity of our donors in order to keep doing what we do here. And so it's, uh, it's something that is a joy to contribute to. And I would just ask for you to uh, take a look at that. And you can always give either here in person, if you're in the building, we have a black box at the back. You can give online or through our app, whether you're here or whether you're not here in person. We also have a pre-authorized giving that you can set up that just allows you to contribute a regular amount on an ongoing basis, which allows us to budget better and do a better of the money that you're investing in us. So we would just ask that you would consider joining us in that so that we can continue to make this place better. Awesome.:
2: Thank you, Emily, and good morning, everyone. More and more I'm seeing faces I haven't seen in a while, it's so great, it's so great to have um, community, a sense of community kind of returning to a building. Not that everything happens here, it's nothing magical about this place necessarily, but there's something that we need, and, and there's this connection, we've never understood it, perhaps, like we have after coming through a pandemic, but we need each other, and whether that's online or in person... Tell you it's something, I'm not taking it taking for granted anymore. Great, it's really great to have you here. If you're new here for the first time, I hope you'll feel comfortable and welcome. And we welcome any questions or feedback after this. Um, I'm Jeff, one of, the, one of the pastors here at Friends. Um, yeah, I'm excited about some of the stuff I want to chat about this morning. Jesus, one day, he describes his followers, he looks them in the eye and says, You are the salt of the earth. He later goes on to say, and you're the light of the world. You ever, you, have you ever heard that term, those terms being used to describe people? He's a salt of the earth kind of guy or girl, woman. What does that engender? I don't know about for you, but for me, man, it, that is such a beautiful, such a cool way of describing the effect that someone could have on their world. You're a salt of the earth kind of person. You add flavor to this world. You somehow, by the way that you live and act and walk and and, and interact with others, you you just leave this beautiful life-preserving energy. You walk into a room that was just dim and all of a sudden your energy just lights it up. Oh man, I love that. Think for a second what kind of behavior, what kind of lifestyle could lead to having that kind of effect on this world? What could leave people in your life going, that's her. That, that is what I would describe her as being. What, what would you have to do? I'm betting you're interested in that question this morning as I ask that. I would bet money that that is what got you out of bed in some way to even be here this morning. I mean, of all the things you could be doing on Sunday morning, come on, I can think of a hundred things you could be doing right now. You got yourself out of bed or you're listening to this, but you're carving out time in your day to listen to this podcast or maybe you're at home right now and you've turned on the TV and you're zooming in. Why the heck? I think it's because you don't want to live a a, a mediocre, unmemorable, unremarkable vanilla life in this time, this short window you got on earth. I think there's something inside you that's craving to do something meaningful with your life, to leave a mark, to have people saying, geez, what is it about that guy? I think there's something to this that you really want to be able to answer. In fact, that's been this uh, really the the undergirding of so much of what we do around here. But we've been talking about this transcendent series, using this diagram of I, We, They. What is this thing? We've been talking at a high philosophically, a high level over the last little bit. But essentially, what we're saying is, what the hell are we doing here? What is your journey really trying to achieve? What is it you're hoping you getting out of bed on a Sunday morning, tuning into this thing, is leading to? Now we can say, salt of the earth, light of the world. We've been using we as an example. A song was written by Alessandra, describe this, this place that we come to, where we step out of understanding this greater awareness of who am I? Wh- wh- Who am I different from other people and how do I honor who I truly, how do I live true to who I am? But not just that, who are these other people in my world and how, what relationship do I have with them? How do I honor who they are in my world? And as we begin to harmonize these two things, we begin to experience this beautiful thing we call we. I think in Jesus' language, he said, salt of the earth, baby. There's something magical about this person, what's going down here. And I think collectively, we begin to experience salt of the earth, light of the world relationships, beautiful stuff. You want to ask me what my spiritual journey is? It's about, it's about achieving we. It moves beyond that into this transcendent we where I begin to feel connected to something bigger and wider. Oh, it's amazing. That's what we're talking about here. That's why I am here, and I hope that's why you're here. How do we build that in our relationships? And we've been talking it from a high level. Now, today, I want to move into a very practical level, a very, where the rubber hits the road. How do we experience salt of the earth type of interactions? How do we lead to the we? In our lives, in very practical ways. I want to begin with a story. Kevin, he was in a conflicted state toward his buddy Chris. Chris and him had been neighbors for about 10 years and actually developed quite a friendship over those 10 years. But Kevin was kind of um, bothered as of late. And it just happened as he began to kind of evaluate his friendship with, with this Chris. He, he Began noticing, at least in his words, he said, I've been doing most of the heavy lifting of this friendship. I mean, I'm always remembering his birthday. Saying, hey, let's go for beer. Beer's on me. It's your birthday. Come on over. Let's do something. He said, I always do that for him. And not so much him toward me. He said, I invite him out to our family functions, parties that I have. I always make sure that he's invited. I want him there. But I've noticed that just doesn't seem to happen the other way. I've helped him with yard projects. And not because I feel any sense of obligation, but just because he's my friend. That's what friends do, right? We help. I catch wind of something that he's on. I go in, I just say, hey, what do you need? You need a hand? Need some tools? I loan him. I, I look for opportunities to do this. He doesn't seem to do that toward me. Why should I even bother? Obviously, he doesn't seem to care as much as I care. I could tell the sadness, eh? It was just like, I, I just thought we were really friends. But now I'm looking at this, and I'm like, no, this is a one-sided friendship. And I, I don't know if I need that in my life. Have you ever felt that way? ever felt frustrated by someone in your life where you just felt like, why am I doing all the heavy lifting here? Maybe you gave yourself, gave something of yourself to that person. Maybe you, you've always been attentive. You've always just given time to listen, but it doesn't come back. Maybe you, you know, the person made mistakes and you didn't judge. You, you tried your best to understand why they would do it and you just left off any judgment. But then, you screw up and you feel it coming from them. Maybe you gave your time and your energy. You met a practical need, whatever it was. But then when you needed the favor, when you needed a helping hand, a listening ear, someone to celebrate with you, whatever, their response is just disappointing. Like they didn't even notice. Notice. They didn't pick up on what you're needing when you were always picking up on what they were needing. Maybe it's left you in that awkward place of saying, you know what, I'm just going to stop calling. Or I'm going to stop trying Is hard. You know, it's amazing how when we feel overlooked or underappreciated, taken for granted. It has a way of short-circuiting our willingness to love. It? it just kind of gets in the way. It, just, it can bring these friendships to this awkward place where it just feels a little cold and distant. Sometimes it's in a friendship. Some, this happens in marriages. This happens between parent and kid. Between siblings. Coworkers, Happens everywhere. It just makes us recoil, just going, you know what? Screw you. Now, we might never come out confrontationally and say, you know what? I'm pissed off at you. We might, we never, might never say that. We have our own passive-aggressive ways, right? Kind of <laughs> putting the thing on ice we have our ways of communicating all that's not well here. What was so promising to look like one of those salt-of-the-earth kinds of interactions, relationships, where people would look at the way that you and this person get along, the way that you meet each other, and and they go, oh, wow. No, now it's like, are you guys okay? Something happened. Let's just st- take a step back for a second, and just, I just want to ask this question. What exactly caused Kevin and Chris's relational breakdown? Is it Chris's insensitivity? Was it an inability that he had to meet Kevin's expectations? Is he just a selfish jerk that isn't willing to give back to Kevin? you know, I'm not sure that it was Chris's fault. In fact, I think it was more of a problem Kevin had. That the cause of these kinds of relational breakdowns lies in a belief that I think Kevin had, and sadly, it's a belief that I think I've been promoting for a long time. This is is one of those things where you just go, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. I think Kevin had a belief inside his head that was leading to a way of being in his relationships that were leading him to a bad place. And it's a belief that I have been promoting as a pastor for a long time. Over the past 32 years, I've performed over 100 weddings done a lot of them and though the kinds of things that i say in those weddings it's morphed and changed over the years and every wedding is a little different there's been something that i've often said in every ceremony at least that i can recall i i've talked about a you first mentality it's a gift that i said you can give to each other in this marriage i built it off of this verse in philippians 2 talks about Jesus coming in the form of a slave, as as a slave, giving of himself. Paul, the author of this verse says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress. Don't make a big thing about what you need. Be humble. Think of others better than yourselves. Lay down your life for the life of someone else. Give of yourself sacrificially. Don't be so concerned about what you need. Focus on what they need. You first mentality. Take on the nature of a servant. Put the other one first. When you wake up in the morning, just say, you know what? It's you first today. You know, in a perfect world, people in our relational world would do exactly that. They would pay attention. They would learn the things that we like, the foods we eat that we prefer, the TV shows we like watching, kinds of movies. They would pay close attention to things that annoy us. They would know when we need help. They would pick up on the subtle hints. They'd watch what's going on. They would know what recharges us. They would know the the little quirks of our personality. They'd know, oh man, Jeff, he's an expert. He just needs lots of people around him. That's great. Oh, she's an introvert. She just needs her space. In our intimate relationships, they would know what turns us on sexually. They wouldn't be scared of that. And in fact, they would run to meet those needs. Just intuitively, they would do the kinds of things that we like in the way that we like them to meet our needs without us having to ask or tell them. Wouldn't that be beautiful? <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? And while they would be doing that for us, we would be doing that for them. And it would be this beautiful mutuality, this reciprocity, them running to meet our needs while we're running to meet their needs. Not in the same ways, but differently. Uniquely tailored to who you are and to who I am. It's an amazing concept, isn't it? Problem with it is it tends to build a very romantic idealistic picture of how relationships work. The idea that people just intuitively understand who you are. Your friends just get it. When you're down, they pick up on it and they go, hey, man, are you okay? What's going on? Hey, you seem down. Let's, let's go, let's go. Oh, I think you've got something going on, pal. What do you need? Hey, I, I just stopped in. I heard Bertie told me that you got a project going on. You need some lifting? I'm here. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Here's the truth in real life, it doesn't work that way. Very rarely. And I haven't been spelling this out, not nearly enough. I've told the story many times over the years. Kathy and I had a, a major. M- blowout. In fact, we almost lost our marriage years and years ago. I came home from work one night. She has her bags packed. I didn't know she had her bags packed. She told me she needed to get away. I thought she needed to go to the mall. She was, <laughs> she was thinking, no, I got to go away from you for a long time. That's what she was thinking. I can talk about it lightly now. It was It was heartbreaking. If you asked me in that moment how I would have scored my marriage, I would have probably given you a seven and a half out of 10. I knew it wasn't great, perfect. But seven and a half out of 10 ain't bad. I didn't know that Kathy would have given me like a three, given us a three. And I'm looking at her going, wait, what? Where are you going? What's wrong? She's going, I don't feel loved by you. And I'm going, what the hell? Of all the things I'm doing, you're not picking up any love from this? I had no idea that all that I was doing was missing her. I was doing a bunch of things she wasn't asking for, and she was really needing a bunch of stuff I wasn't picking up on. And she's looking at me and saying, you should know. And I'm going, I Know what's going on in real life. You can love someone and not have a clue what they need, and vice versa. That is true, and that happens more than we realize in every kind of relationship we got going on. But because of this romantic idea that oh, they should just know. They should be picking up my hints. How many times, how many different ways do I have to say this? Really strong relationships. The healthiest relationships. In fact, if you sit through therapy, you will know. Therapists will constantly say, get better and better at communicating what you need. Spell it out. The healthiest relationships are very transactional. (laughs) What? I thought real love is them just knowing. Uh -uh. Let's spell this out, can I? Can I talk about what we mean by transactional in a business? A business will develop a product, a service, and it will say, I will trade, and the customer comes along and says, I need your service or your product. And they say, great. It'll be $54 and 99 cents. And the customer says, happy to pay that. I need that. And there's a transaction that happens. They take the service or the product. The the business takes the money. They shake hands. They're going, woo, they're both won. It's transaction, right? What we don't want to say is that relationships are transactional. What can you give me? And what can I give you? I was never raised thinking that way. Never. I don't give to get. I don't say, okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you that if you... I'll trade you an ace for a jack. No. No, we lay down our lives for the people that we love. We give without expecting anything in return. How many were raised with this kind of mentality? It's dirty. Doesn't it feel dirty when you say, hey, okay, what can we trade here? It's a trade-off. I got... Big news for anyone that was brought up in this thing. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Transactions. Give to get. Give to get. (laughs) I just feel dirty saying it, but it's true. (laughs) We're just trading different commodities. We're trading affection, perhaps. Household chores, perhaps, quality conversations, a compliment, some verbal affirmation, sex. What's the commodity? What's the thing that you need in your life? What's the thing that that person needs? A listening ear, someone to vacuum, someone to just do the dishes. These are commodities that you're trading continually. No one wants to say that, but it's true. And people can say, oh, no, 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 we're not about that. Oh, really? Okay, well, then try living your life doing most of everything in a relationship. You do 85% of the lifting, and the other person does 15%. Just give sacrificially. (laughs) It's dirty until you think about it that way, isn't it? It doesn't seem right until all of a sudden you're going, okay, I'm signing up for 85% of the workload for the rest of my life with this person. Mm-mm. Think about it for a second. Just think about your relationships. Are there relationships in your life right now you feel like maybe there's an imbalance? the workload isn't evenly distributed, that the exchange, the transactions that are being exchanged aren't quite fair. If you want to throw up that diagram again, really what I'm talking about is the balance between me understanding what I need. That's that I circle. When I start to understand that, and I can balance it, with what they need. And we can honor that. We move into we. That's all I'm talking about today is the practical nuts and bolts of doing that. We need more coaching on this because some of you are either not pulling the mail or some of you are pulling too much and the resentment builds, the walls go up, the coldness happens and the salt of the earth description gets lost. In fact... What we hear are descriptions like, ooh, they're cold, ooh, they're distant. Now, I don't know, there's something funky going between those two. Mm-hmm. How do we move into the we in a very practical sense? How do we get to this place where, the, where there's symmetry in relationships? Some of us do this, think of transactions very naturally. Some of us, Here's, here's one thing that we've noticed. Some people are stronger I people. Some people are stronger they people. Some people just have more of an awareness of those around them than they do of themselves. It's me. I've always been this way. I'm, I, I've learned this. Enneagram has told me I'm a two. I'm a helper. I'm fixated on people around me. People can ask me how I'm feeling. I'm good. I haven't, I, I haven't even stopped to ask myself that, to be honest. But I, my answer is good. I'm good. But how are you? How many relate to that? I, 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 what do you think of this? I don't know. What do you think? What do you need? Strong they people, they are aware of their surroundings, they're watching people, they're high empaths often. How many know what that's like? You can feel things people are feeling. You can, your spidey senses start tingling. And you're going, someone's not doing well over here. What's happening? You kind of want to zoom in. You all right? You care. You can't help it. You don't like it when someone's down. It's like, wait, wait, what's... But then there's people who are strong eyes, who really do know how they're feeling who do know what they want. They do know what they want to watch on TV. Were they people, what do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want for supper? What do you want? Both have superpowers. This week, I want to talk to you with they's, the people who do know what other people, you're picking up on what other people are and maybe less about yourself. Here's the problem with us, they strong aware people. The downside to this superpower of being able to empath, being able to feel what other people, picking up what's going on out there is often our lack of understanding here. This, unfortunately, leaves us in a place often where we don't have a clear picture of what it is we actually do need or want. We will often not have a clear sense of our own boundaries. We'll overextend ourselves. Someone says, hey, could I ask you for a favor? Yes. The answer is yes. We don't know if we can do it yet, but we're just, yes. Only to find ourselves having to indirectly say no to something we already committed to. Even if it's our sleep, our own energy, our own well-being, and we can find ourselves in this dark place. Why? Because we didn't pay attention to our eye. Anyone relate to this? Anyone willing to relate to this? I'm telling you, this may all right. It's, there's no shame in this, right? It's us. It's just who you are. Let me come back and again ask how balanced are the relationships in your life? Because if you're a strong they person, sometimes they can just get out of balance and you start pulling more male than you should be. Not always. Can you? Spot any troubling imbalances? It's part of your work this week. Think about the relationships in your lives. Can you spot any imbalances? All right, let's talk practically how we can deal with this. There's, and, and, and I'm not talking about something that you're going to fix today or this afternoon or this week. We're talking on big scale. This is the spiritual journey. This is the journey we're on to move to we. Some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about right now, it, it will take you months, years to develop. We just want you to understand why we talk about these things on a regular basis. So you can see the roadmap. When we're talking about certain topics on a Sunday, you go, I get where they're talking about this. because so we're talking about developing a stronger they orientation or they stronger I orientation. Or we're trying to move to the we. Yes, yes. One of the big components of the spiritual journey, especially for those who have a strong they orientation, awareness, and less of an I orientation, is you need to gain awareness of who you are. That sounds pretty obvious, but it's amazing how many people who are they people really don't have a strong grasp of who they are. Now, we've talked over the years about various different personality toolkits, profilers, Myers-Briggs, DISC. we talked about a whole bunch, of these different things. What are these things? Enneagram mentioned earlier. These are tools to help you learn who you are because you are so unique. Your makeup is so different from the person sitting beside you, likely, very different. There are unique parts of your wiring that you probably haven't even explored or can explain yet. But when you do the work, and we call this spiritual work of learning, Some people, I remember years ago, Vince and I uh, sitting on stage and talking about introversion, extroversion. He described himself as an introvert and what that feels like and looks like in his world. I talked about being an extrovert in my world. The number of people came up and going, oh my God, I didn't even realize. That's what's going on right now for me. I'm around people all the time. I'm an introvert. I'm not recharging. Bingo. What is that? Someone going, I'm learning about my eye. Went through the Enneagram a number of years back. Realized I'm a two on the Enneagram. I'm a helper. My thing is I get love. I learned over the years to game the system to feel loved by helping people. Never saw that before. Now, superpower on one side, but man, oh man, it has some weaknesses. So part of my learning has been, Jeff, you got to figure out your eye right now because you got to start drawing boundaries. You got to quit saying yes so much. Oh, what is that? That's the work of learning who I am. Let me ask you something. How well do you really know yourself? Now you I, strong eye people out there, you're going, oh, got it in spades. I believe you. <laughs> and you're quick to point out who I am to those around you often, often. Which is awesome. I envy that so much. When Kathy and I went through that breakdown, we ended up stumbling across a book called The Five Love Languages. And it's a book that has transcended, especially, religious circles. And it has many detractors. It has many people It's changed their life. It changed our life. But for the first time, Kathy said, I need your time, Jeff. That's what it is. And I'm going, No, I, I, but I've been doing acts of service. I thought that's what you'd like. And she's going, I, I don't need you to vacuum. I need you to be right here with me and look me in the eyes. Really? That's, that's what you need. You need me to just be here. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's easy. Th- that'll fix things? It won't fix everything. <laughs> and it didn't fix everything, but it fixed some amazing thing. All of a sudden, I started putting deposits into her love bank. It started feeling loved by me. Because I started figuring out what she was, what it was that she needed. The book actually helped Kathy figure out who more she was, and the book actually gave her the ability to start articulating it to me. I'll get to that in a second. How well do you know yourself? How well is it? How well do you, Are you able to spell out what it is that's missing in those imbalances? Those relationships are right now are kind of feeling a little lopsided. How well are you able to pinpoint it and go, I just need more affection? Or I need this person to quit micromanaging me because I, I don't like that. I need freedom. That's the thing I need. Oh, that's what it is. How well do you know yourself? Welcome to the spiritual journey, folks. People say, oh, you're talking about all that psycho babble." Really? Try loving someone when you don't know who you are. If this whole thing boils down to being able to love God and love your neighbor, and you can't figure out what it is you need, so forget even trying to ask for it. And somehow romantically with this belief that we just lay down our lives and they're going to lay down their lives for us and they're going to do it in the way that we need it. No, no. BS. They're, they need you to tell them. And if you don't know, trust me, take it from someone who didn't know. They don't know. Making sense? All right. You need, you need to figure out who you are. Second thing you need to do is you need to be able to ask. This is a thing that Kevin wouldn't do. He just wanted Chris to do it like he did it. Figure it out. Put it on the calendar. My birthday happens, same day, every year. Call me. Simple. Watch. If there's a dumpster, bin that's put out in front, chances are I'm doing a rental project. Maybe you want to come over and help. Mm -mm. No, know what you need and ask for it. Let's talk about asking for a second, can we? Because this is where things go sideways often. You know what you want. Sometimes you do. You know how many guys I talk to Going, man, I, I just wish we had more sex in my marriage. I hear that often. Oh, just pick on that one for a second. The question is, well, have you asked for it? <laughs> uh, that wouldn't go well. Oh, okay. Really? Are you sure? No, I don't know. How. Uh, that just leads to a bunch of problems. She gets upset. She goes, oh, well, you never do. Okay. Let's talk about how we ask for things from others. How we advocate for ourselves. How we negotiate. These are words we don't like to talk about in the context of relationships, but I'm telling you, it's a negotiation. Step up to the table, the bargaining table. Let's talk. Let's trade. Let's transact. How dirty does that feel? It's what has to happen. Something as simple as saying, hey, I don't know if you're a yes or a no on this. Here's what I was thinking. Where'd you be at on that? Now, first of all, before I get there, negotiating when you're upset about what you're not getting, never, never gonna work right? That's when the lethal two words come out. Always and never. You're never doing this. We're never. We're, you're always. We're always. No. Stop. Stop. Wait until the person does it right. Then you go, this was amazing. I just wish we could do more of that. I really wish we could do more of this. I realized something about me. I need this. When you hug me like that, I don't think you understand how much that means to me. And sometimes I just don't feel like we do that enough. Or I just love how we just had this conversation. I love how you just gave me freedom to work on this project and you didn't come in and check in on me every five minutes. That was so freeing for me. Could I ask you to do more of that? Where would you be at on that? This ain't rocket science, right? But why don't we? Why don't we just say, hey, here's another way, maybe. Saying, look, at, I'd like to ask for something. But it's going to involve something from you. So rather than approaching it like a favor, I'd like this to be a win-win. I would like it to be as good for you as for me. So I want to throw something out. I want to, would you be open to hearing about it and seeing if we couldn't work out a win-win on this? Now put yourself in the other person's shoes. Who hears that? They're going, I'm intrigued. What do we got going on? Win-win? Okay, I'm about this. It's not just, okay, look it, we got to talk. I go, not right now. I don't know what this about, but I don't think this is going to be good. No. Can we talk about something? I'd love to work out something. I need something, but I I don't want to just expect you to just do everything. Maybe we could work out a win-win. I've heard more stories of this kind of thing happening over the last little while. Chloe finally gets up the guts, so she asks Larry, I would love more physical affection from you. But, but, but I know that that's not something you like doing. So I'm trying to figure out if there's a way we could make this work for you and me. Oh, this is magical. She says, I know you need space. Maybe I could trade you. You giving me affection and I give you space. So it led them, first of all, he's saying, well, how much affection do we talk in here? (laughs) Smart guy, smart guy. She says, and she had to think about it. At that point, she didn't even know how, so they start talking, and she says, well, could a half an hour a day? He's like, half an hour? What does that look like? She says, well, maybe like big long hug in the morning before I leave, and maybe just hold my hand Well, we're, I rub my feet, rub my shoulders when you, you know, at night, maybe, maybe like five, 10 minutes in the morning, and then, and then maybe 20 minutes spread out over the evening. And he's like, okay. And so then he starts thinking, he's like going, well, look at, it's not that I don't mind doing that for you, but sometimes I forget. Could you just remind me? I'll do it if you remind me. She says, done. What do I have to say? Just say, I need a hug. Just say, hey, would you mind rubbing my shoulders? I'm done. I'm done. It's done. Now let's talk about the space. <laughs> so, and he says, he says, how, how much space can, could I get? He, she says, well, how much would you? He says, you know, really? Uh, and he, he had thought about it. He says, I would love time right when I come home from work to not have to talk about my day, not have to process a bunch of stuff. I'd love to just go and unwind a change. I'd I'd love to just listen to some music or read, watch the news or just be uninterrupted. She said, how much time do you need? He said, could I have like 45 minutes, an hour? He said, that's great. Done. Thank you, ma'am. We got a deal. (laughs) We got a deal here. What's happening there? Let me tell you something. They're moved into we. Because all of a sudden now the scales are going they're going, holy smokes, she's going to meet my knees, And she's thinking, he's going to meet my knee. Oh. Not rocket science, folks. But this isn't the kind of thing I've been talking about in my weddings. And I don't think we've talked enough about the transactional format of healthy relationships enough. If we want to get to the weed, this is where it goes. I heard another story. Family member talks to Another family member says, we don't talk enough. I just feel like we're going apart. And I'd I'd love it if we could talk on the phone more. She says to him, I I think you're right. I don't think we have been talking very much. And we should talk more. Well, how much? So that was the question. How often are you thinking? At that point, it had been like once every two months, three months. He says, well, could we talk once a month? She said, sure, let's do it. I said, okay. But then she said, when we talk, there are three things that seem to always be brought up in our conversation, and it's one of the three. And it ruins me. Could I ask that these three topics get left off the table and if you can do that, we can do this. He says, done. I won't bring them up. I was telling the story to someone else. They said, you know what we did? We had the exact same kind of talk, only I said, all right, it's not fair that I have to always call. So can we take turns calling? What is this? These are just transactions. Negotiating, advocating for your eye what you need so that you can get what you need met and feel like things are like this. What are you willing to do, folks? How bad do you want to be salt and light? How, how bad do you want to feel like you got this beautiful thing in these relationships you're in. It's not magic. It's not the luck of the draw, the kind of people that you end up with. It's negotiation. So you got two assignments that likely you're gonna have for the rest of your life. And you're gonna hear us refer to them again and again. You're gonna figure out who you are and what you need. Because the worst thing is when someone says, well, what do you, what, what, what's the matter? What do you need? And you go, well, I don't know. Know what you need. And learn how to ask. And if you can tie in the win-win, you're not just getting the short-term win because that's where it often happens. You come in hard bargaining and you get the real win with them losing. It'll work for three weeks and then they'll say, screw you. you work for the win-win where they're going, no, no this feels fair now. You're gonna hear us talk about this a million times and you better not get sick of it because I'm telling you, this leads to beautiful, beautiful things. This leads to heaven on earth. I hope this week you'll take a step in doing one of those things. That's what I hope for you. God, this is what I want for me. I pray that I will be more honest about these things, that I'll study my eye more and that I'll stand up for it so that I can preserve these relationships. And I pray that for everyone here. Amen. Awesome. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you back next week. Oh, I want to talk to the I want to talk to the strong eyes next week. So uh, you never got off the hook, all right? We're gonna to talk to you next week, all right? Anyways, have a great week.